Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. For the third part of By the Glass's sponsored collaboration with Wines of Germany, I've decided to focus on how the next generation of German wine professionals is redefining the industry. Steeped in tradition, Germany has seen a paradigm shift over the past decade. As sommeliers and end consumers have better understood the regional distinctions as well as the stylistic diversity of Riesling, producers have been able to innovate with farming, fermenting, and marketing. We'll hear from two different wineries, Meiernagel in the northern region of R and Von Winning in the Faltz. This episode is going to focus on Meyer Neckel. We'll hear from Micah and Dörte Neckel, whose grandparents started the Pinot Noir-focused winery in 1950. These two sisters joined the family business over a decade ago and have emphasized sustainability in their farming practices. They recorded their half of the conversation at the winery with a beautiful view of the vineyard. I was very jealous uh, of their setup compared to mine. You might even hear the sound of birds in the background of their recording. The first voice you'll hear belongs to elder sister Micah. Here she is. <laughs> Hello from Dano. <laughs> wow. It looks like it's a great day over there. Looks yeah. like it's sunny. It is great hot summer day. Yeah. How how hot are we talking right now? Is it like <laughs> I think it's not as hot as it is in uh, in Houston, but uh, we're um I think today it's about um yeah, maybe 28, 29, uh, but for the weekend they um the forecast is uh, 34 degrees Celsius. Oh wow. It's quite hot for our region. <laughs> so we're in the middle of hurricane season here in Texas. Oh. And so it was raining the past maybe three or four days in a row. So oh, it's okay. been- it's been very hot, but also very rainy here. So okay. not, not a lot of fun. Uh, would much rather be in Durno. That would be a lot more fun. <laughs> so are you guys outside right now? I see vines behind you. I don't know if that's a reflection in the window. Yeah, or... reflection in the windows. Awesome. Well, how's, uh, how's the growing season been for you guys? Um, till now, it's um, it, it's um, all looking uh, quite good. Yeah. So I think it wasn't that dry as the last two years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Europe, um, the last uh, years, especially 18, was so hot, uh, so dry. Um, I think this year is, is better. Um, yeah, yeah but, but we are suffering the third year of uh, lack of water. But the, the wines can still yeah work with it. But yeah. We really wait for some rain um, to come to fill the, how to say, the, the groundwater in the wintertime. And then we are fine again. So so most of the rain that you get comes during the winter. Um, yes, yes and no. The winter is good to fill up the groundwater. Yeah, so we have mm-hmm. a lot of rain and it can slowly go down and there's not too many plants and everything taking a lot of water. And so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah there's um, a better chance to good, get ground yeah. ground. Is it the wood? <laughs> I hope so. So, so this year obviously has been a little challenging, you know, with this virus and everything. Yeah, how yeah. how is that kind of? I mean, the the vines will still grow and they still need to be pruned and everything still needs to happen production wise. So, um, I guess in the month of maybe like March and April, were you both still in Germany or were you in uh, South Africa at that point? Um, yeah, we were all in uh, Germany. So we have been in South Africa before, so in January, um, yeah. January and February. But uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah quite a uh, crazy time. I think like everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the 13th of March 
all the schools, kindergarten, everything was closed, restaurants, restaurants everything. Uh, everything, hotels, um, everything, cinema, nothing happened from one day, day to the next. So just, yeah. we, we always say it, it was like they stopped the world on the 13th of March. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and that till I think uh, middle of May, they started again very slowly. But mm -hmm. uh, um, really in that two, um, two months, you know, we're here in a, in a tourist region and um, a lot of people coming, especially in that springtime. But um, yeah, everything was closed. No one was here. Yeah, it was really a crazy, crazy time. And now it's getting really better. Really? So I know you said it's a tourist destination. Are, are, are things open to the point where you can host people at the winery or? Yeah, we are, we are allowed again. So you can do tastings as well. Of course, you have to, you wear your mask and um, not too many people in one room. And uh, yeah, you have to give your address and phone number. So if something happens that they can find you. And um, yeah, but uh, I think with all that regulations, it uh, works quite Quite good at the moment so a lot of people of course yeah. mostly uh, european peoples are coming from the um, netherlands belgium um yeah well it sounds like you have it much more organized uh, than we have it here in the u.s right now um especially here in texas <laughs> we don't know we, don't know. we, don't know. we, we cannot well, judge well i can attest to that I, I i see what we've got here and you guys have it figured out way better than we do so <laughs> So I'm really excited about this conversation. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Do you both want to just like introduce yourselves, say your name? And I obviously worked at the winery, worked there since you were kids, I'm sure, to some degree. But maybe talk about when you officially like joined the winery. Now? <laughs> sure. Now, now, now's good. Okay. Um, yes, my name is Mike Nekert and uh, I am, yeah, grown up in the winery of our family and um, but I really started to um, get interest in the topic of wine when I was 19 after I finished school um, all the way before I wanted to be a medicine so I wanted to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever uh, perhaps it was just not to do the same thing as our parents did mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah it was perhaps something that, that has something to do with teenager time or whatever <laughs> but then I decided to to uh, to go to go to go uh, have an internship and um, to have a practical time and um, in that um, yeah in that time I decided that wine is not the baddest thing or the worst thing in the world <laughs> no just joking uh, no I just I found perhaps I found myself or my wine life in that time and then I started an apprenticeship for two years and afterwards I started uh, my studies of uh, wine growing and enology um, and I'm working in the winery with our family since 2005. <laughs> and uh, I'm Dörte Necker, uh, so I don't know <laughs> to, to say my age, but uh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm the younger sister, so it's okay for me. <laughs> no, we had a great party when I was 14, so. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, my name is Dörte Necker, and um, um, yeah, um, <laughs> I um, uh, I always wanted to become a winemaker, um, not really seriously. Um, I think that was always a teenager thing, because I thought what my dad does is really cool. So um, I think it also could have been something else, but uh, it was a winemaker. So today I'm very lucky that it was a winemaker and not something else. Um, so um, yeah, I did the same. I, 
um, um, did some uh, apprenticeship and uh, then I went to Geisenheim and studied uh, winemaking and um, I'm in the winery since 2008. Fun. So you joined a couple years or three years after your sister. So um, I think a good starting off point would be kind of describing what makes R as a region kind of special because it's one of the most northern regions in the world for red wine production and it's a region that is so focused on red wine specifically and within that Pinot within Germany. So I think it's a really unique place. You've got these amazingly steep hillsides. Do you, would one of you or both of you like to kind of just like paint the picture and describe where R is within Germany and kind of what makes it special? Yeah, you said already it's one of the most northern uh, wine growing regions, um, not only in Germany, but um, in the world. Uh, we are above, we have, um, we are located um, at the north of the 50th degree of latitude. And um, in the past, there were people describing where wine could grow uh, climate wise. Uh, and they always said at the 50th degree, there is a cut, there is a border. And um, above this, there is no wine growing possible. But but um, in all the river valleys, including the Rhine River, the Mosel, the Nahe, and especially also the Ahr, there is a certain microclimate. And because of that microclimate, there was always wine growing possible, not only today where we get warmer and warmer temperatures, but also in the past when it was a bit colder, we still had very nice and warm uh, yeah, weather here because um, the, the R is a very, very little river. It's not, you cannot go there with big boats, whatever. Sometimes you can just, it, it's just uh, under your knees. Yep, yeah. yeah, you get your food wet, but yeah. not more. And um, but it created um, a, a canyon-like yeah, valley, and therefore we got the steep slopes. Um, and it runs from west to east into the Rhine River. And so we have a like a really small and nice miniature canyon. And therefore, um, um, yeah, the, the it is much warmer. Perhaps you can explain this better. Yeah. Now I think it's uh, what is also very important is that we have one complete south side. Um, so you see the little piece of vineyard behind me. Uh, you yeah. see, it's it's very steep, so the exposure to the sun is very good. And um, yeah, because of that um, small valley with that one complete south side, we have that um, uh, microclimate here. And we have the uh, the slate soil. Yeah. Um, the so our soil is um, made of slate, of its, which is a dark stone, and it easily warms up, conserves the heat, and gives it back to the to the air very very slowly. So yeah the temperature is a bit higher compared to the surrounding areas because because of all those facts. But I think if you compare it to whole Germany, we're still in the north, so it's still a cooler climate. Yeah. And within within R, I, I've always learned about it kind of as there's upper R and lower R, yeah? Mm -hmm. When you both are thinking about the region, do you split it up in any particular way? Specifically, maybe within the village that you're in of Durna? Uh, yeah, definitely. So we have that uh, two different uh, parts here in the valley. Um, um, of course, it's very small. We have just about 500 hectares in the whole valley, so it's not really big. But uh, we have uh, different soils. So, um, yeah, I don't have a map here now. So I could... Uh, you. Yeah, but, but yeah, but it is not more. It's not like south and northern part. It's more like west and eastern part. So the R runs mm. from west to east, um, and on uh, 35 kilometers of length, there we have the the wines. And half of that, so the the western part, it's the uh, we call 
upper part <laughs> and uh, uh, the eastern part is the lower part um, and there we have different climates because in the um, in the we start with the lower part this is di direction to the Rhine to the where, where the R ends into the Rhine River and there the the valley is a bit wider we have more loam soil um, we have um, uh, the stylistic, the characteristic of the wines is a bit different. Um, we have no slate, we have more gray vecchi, which is also a sediment stone, so same family, but but more uh, robust. Robust is it? Yeah, a bit yeah. harder. A bit harder, yeah. yeah. And so the, the wine itself is always um, also a bit more, we call it, it has some more meat in between the bones. Yeah, yeah it's a more, it's a more like supple, round yeah, wine. That, that, where yeah. And yeah. Um, in contrast, the upper part of the R goes more into the forest in a more hilly region. The valley is very narrow. Um, the, the slopes are very, very steep, very high percentage of slate. And so the wines are more this uh, type of, um, have more this minerality and uh, a bit more, uh, yeah, not, not more finesse, but a bit more elegant in the tenant structure. Yeah. So, yeah. and we have it in two different wines that, that show that in uh, our, it's, we call it in German VDP Ortswein, which is like a village wine. Yeah. So we have uh, special wine types for that. You both already mentioned that you joined the winery. Um, Micah, you joined in 2005. Dritta, you joined in 2008. But the winery started over a hundred years ago. You, you're both the fifth generation to work at the winery. And you talked a little bit about your journey to arriving at the winery. But what are kind of the dynamics? I know that you both run the winery on a day-to-day -day basis. How much is how much time do your parents spend at the winery these days? And how much involvement do they kind of have in the day-to-day -day operation? Our mother, um, <laughs> she never was full-time in the winery. So she was a teacher. Um, she's retired now. But uh, And my father, he is yeah still um, a little bit in the winery. So he's... Um, yeah, just um, having a look. Uh, <laughs> yeah, driving every day through the vineyards uh, for fun and looking how everything grows. And but he's not really in the uh, daily. No, um, no, no, not involved really in the daily work. He has some. some he, 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 you, could, you could say he's just doing the things he really likes to do. He wants to do at yeah. this point. When you're, when you're when you're retired, but you still want to do something that uh, yeah you're fun with. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, in addition, he's he's leading our South African uh, yeah project project. Yeah. Well, I may, maybe you both have like an amazing relationship with your dad. But if I were to join my father's business, I think initially for the first couple of years it might be a little challenging because he would be double checking everything that I do. You know the term uh, micromanaging. You know where yeah. you're like double checking what someone else mm -hmm. does. What were those first couple of years like? Um, Micah, you joined in 2005. So, you know, from 2005 to maybe 2010, those first five years. And Dirta, the first maybe two or three years for you from 2008 to maybe 2011. What were those years like when maybe your father was more involved at the winery before you both had kind of fully taken over and he had fully retired? What was the dynamic um, like? Yes, it was um, It was a little bit challenging, but um, in addition, I have to say he was uh, some kind of really thankful that somebody helped him with all the work. He was more like a one-man mm -hmm. show um, and he was um, yeah, really glad that 
yeah, we both decided to go this um, yeah, to, to go to go into uh, to yeah, to go into in this direction of wine growing. Whatever he never knew till the moment we really started to work that we really will come. Yeah, so you, he said you never know what what could happen mm -hmm. in between, and so he was very happy that um, yeah that we joined him, and he directly started to give me some space. Because he always said it's the worst thing you could do is um, having too many cooks that yeah we say we have a, that salt the soup whatever yeah um, yeah so um, there was some yeah we had some discussions but uh, I think it is really a need that you have some discussions because otherwise you cannot go forward yeah and so you, you need you need the um, yeah the the interaction in between the old and the new generation that you can uh, yeah or that you have the possibility to have the experience from the older generation combined with your new ideas. And we, I think we really found a good way to um, work together and to, um, yeah, to, uh, yeah, I'm now, I will have a lack of a bit of English words, but um, we've, we, we really found a way to um, get better by coming together in um, two generations. I think he, um, he always let us um, try. Of course, he, he sometimes says, I wouldn't do it, but you can. Yeah. So, but it's sometimes good um, that you make faults and that I think he knows that it's good to, yeah, sometimes just not having the right way. But I think especially um, with uh, some things, it's it's always nice to, to have someone looking at uh, 40 years back so yeah uh, yeah and um it, uh, we always made it like that when we had some new ideas we were not we were not having this idea on the for example for on the whole vineyard that we have but we were starting with uh yeah just a little space yeah and to see what happens when i do it like that and not like we did it in the last 20 years and then we found out that it is a good idea or a bad idea and then we could uh, we had the chance to that is what i meant to get better, yeah, to to have some new ideas, some fresh ideas, um, and see how it works, if it works, and um, I think it was a was a really a good time. And um, for for our father, it was always the worst thing that could happen that he is an old man and still um, is saying us what we have to yeah. do directly from the beginning. And he said, "It's it's your it's it will be your company, and so you need to have the chance to go in a certain direction." Not always without discussions, <laughs> but <laughs> but mostly with some discussions yeah. that um, ended in um, in a good idea in the end. Yeah. So, so perhaps a bit easier than with son and father or mother Maybe. and daughter, whatever. Perhaps it was a good like it. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, there are two of you and only one of yeah. him. So if you both agree that it should be done one yes, way, yes. And sometimes we needed know. our mother to have a. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I, I think it also probably helps that you both spent time at other wineries. You didn't only learn from your dad and only work at the winery. You you spent time at other wineries before you came back to work for your father. Yeah. yeah? You spent time... Um, Micah, you spent time in Franken, yeah, working with yes, first. Yes, yeah? that's true. And um, in Germany as well with uh, Heger, Dr. Heger in Baden. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I had some, yeah, I, I was in some other countries. Like um, I spent some time uh, or like, like half a year in France and Burgundy region to learn, um, mm -hmm. to learn all the practical things about wine growing. And uh, then I had also some time in South Africa. So 
was a good good time. <laughs> no, and what I want to say is that that, uh, that was what uh, our father directly says. When you want to come in a winery, you have to go anywhere else. So uh, there was no way saying, okay, we'll stay at home. And uh, uh, he said directly, you have to go anywhere else to, to see something uh, different. And I think that was a good decision um, because, uh, yeah, you know, when you're back in, in the company, it's no, yeah, no time, no chance to, to have that experience again. Um, yeah, and I uh, was in um, Pfalz um, at uh, Weingut Knipsa for two years mm-hmm. um, and later made a harvest in Portugal and in New Zealand. Oh, cool. Where in Portugal were you? Um, Duro Valley. Okay, fun. Yeah. You got you got a chance to travel to some great places, especially New Zealand as well. Were you in southern New Zealand, yeah. in like central Italy? Yeah, no, I've been in, in southern New Zealand, in uh, Blenheim. And uh, yeah, it was, was uh, great. It, it was so interesting just to see something so different you know it's it's so far 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 away from here and uh yeah it's a completely different um first of all it was different grape varieties for me different um um i was in a quite big winery uh, so you know we we are a small family business with uh, they 23 yeah. hectares and so and it was a really big uh winery and that was really uh yeah interesting for me so you you both had mentioned earlier that you know your father was running the winery, I guess, over 40 years ago, yeah? So, like, in the 70s, kind of when he started? Yeah, end of 70s. Um, but I think my grandfather retired in um, 82. Yeah, he not really retired, but he was. Yeah. He, was he had uh, two heart attacks, and he was, like, it was not just not really possible for him to work. Yeah. Uh, in in the in that uh, kind, but um, in that time when he uh, when our father overtake the winery, it was really really small place. It, we had just one point five hectare, and yes, wow. and the wine was sold in a like in a pub. Yeah, that my grandfather my grandmother was running the pub. Yeah, and, and our- my grandfather <laughs> made the wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so um, and it was in in addition, it was a um, uh, kind of difficult time for wine growers in our valley or in whole Germany. And um, our father decided to that he wanted to do the thing with the wine, but um, he wanted to have something uh, for, 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 for to secure him, or how to say, no, he, he was a teacher. So at, he, he studied to be a teacher for mathematics and sports. Um, and when he finished, he decided to overtake the winery at first as a part-time winery. So, he only wanted mm-hmm. to run it beside being a teacher, um, uh, but then he yeah, found out that um, yeah, when you when you're not doing it with minimum hundred percent, it will not work. Yeah, and so he um, never went to be a practical teacher. He's just ready with his studies, whatever. He yeah. uh, he uh, decided to overtake the winery in the early eighties when our grandfather yeah had to had to retire. So I imagine there's been a lot of change from the nineteen eighties to the two thousands. Yeah, in terms of not just technology but also temperature, the way the grapes are harvested. I'm sure that there's been changes in clonal selection, the types of vines that are getting planted, how they're being trained. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the new things that you both have brought to the winery, things that maybe you're doing differently than the way your father did them, whether that's sustainability. I know that you guys have your fair and green certification, but maybe talk about some of the new techniques or things that you had learned in your respective educations. We, um, yes, you're you're right. Um, The clonal selection changed a, a lot in the last, let's say, 30 years. 
Mm. In the before the Germans more um, so <coughs> no, I have to to, to start different. <coughs> um, the Pinot Noir or the Spätburgunder, how to say. Today we are the third. Germany is the third biggest Pinot Noir Spätburgunder producer in the world, um, and changed in the last 30 years. So. 30 years ago, there was nearly no Pinot at all, um, only in some spots uh, all over Germany. And the Pinot that you found in that time was more um, the Pinot that gave very big clusters, uh, very high yields and a very low quality. So it was more like a wine with a lightly red color <laughs> and nothing else. Um, and um, also, our father started 25 years ago to plant the first um, clones from uh, from the Burgundy region. 28 years ago, we had the first vineyard out, out of that. And um, successively, uh, step by step, we changed a lot of our uh, wines into the, those uh, quality clones um, that um, mm -hmm. give us much more better quality, uh, lower yields, more concentration, um, nicer acidity, um, everything works better today with those clones um, when you look on quality wines mm -hmm. like we do. And both of you spent a fair bit of time working with Pinot Noir in southern Germany, in the Faults as well as in Franken. How how was it adjusting to such a northern region like our where you are now? So uh, I think the nice thing in Germany is that um, um, yeah, although the regions have different soils, different climates, so they all produce um, different styles of Pinot. Yeah, I, I think the clones are more or less the same. So we don't have a certain southern Germany clone, northern Germany clone. It's more um, that everybody has, or for, for us in our winery, um, our aim is to have a nice and big portfolio of different clones to have a nice diversity in our wines. So it's not only that we have Selection Maasai from Burgundy, we have also some clones from Burgundy, we have some um, nice uh, German quality clones. So in the last years, there was a lot of good um, selection work that they did in the, um, in the universities. And um, so it's more that the, the genetics is one thing, but the, the other thing is the soil and the microclimate where the wine grows. So it's a, more a thing of uh, vineyard work and climate situation and all the combination out of this. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. For example, in the south, they have to look even more to the that the, that the acidity is not going too much away. Yeah. You, yeah. Because the, because yeah. of the heat of the summer, and here it's still yeah. something. There are some years we have to do with with that, but some years it's really like easy. You know, so the acidity really mm. stays nice and. Hi. <laughs> well, I think this is a good opportunity to open some wine. So I'm going to open these bottles here. It's, on, it's only 9 in the morning, 9.30 in the morning. So I'm excited to have a little bit of Spätburgunder for breakfast. Very good. <laughs> um, maybe as I'm opening these bottles, you both have traveled internationally a fair bit, um, whether it's Portugal or New Zealand. You know, um, Dörte, you've spent time internationally, and I'm sure people ask you a lot about Pinot Noir from Germany. How do you how do you talk about Pinot Noir from our? Um, I think for the for the Aved is really um, we're quite unique that we have the Pinot on plate, so which mm -hmm. um, gives it um, a really a nice um, saltiness and uh, minerality to the wines. Um, and yeah, we are um, a cool climate region, um, even if the last years were much warmer. But um, I think that's um, the, that combination with the light soil, with the um, slate and the cool mm -hmm. climate 
it's I think that's that's two big factors for for our style of wine. And what what are you opening now? The fifteen. So I have the twenty fifteen uh, Speed Burgunder, and then the twenty thirteen GG. You're opening now. The so the fifteen um, Speed Burgunder, our basic Pinot. I think that's a really mm-hmm. nice. Um, yeah, um, to to show people a little bit uh, what is. Uh, what is Pinot from our? So that's really our estate. We wanted to have it quite light, uncomplicated. Um, you should um, smell the minerality, but also the fruit. It's, um, yeah. We haven't tried that for a long time. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got, it's got really pretty color to it. 15 was a quite cool, cool vintage. Yeah. It's a cold summer. How much variance is there between like where you are and maybe other regions of Germany, do you find that there's a lot of variance from one region to another? Normally, normally it is. Um, so um, normally it's really um, um, our direct um, neighbor is the Mosul. So it's not, not really far away, but they often have completely different weather than we have here in, in the Ar Valley. Of course, yeah, the, the last two, three years were quite hot over the whole everywhere uh, yeah, yeah area not only in germany even when you you look in the other european countries um but uh, yeah normally uh, the weather here is different than um in uh, in the other regions and um what uh, was really interesting when um you you wrote me that you have a vintage 13 i had a look at uh, the cellar books when we harvested 13 kräuterberg and it was um end of october so i think 21 or something Really? And for example, 18, uh, we were uh, much, same, much... Same vineyard. Same vineyard. Uh, we harvested um, uh, end of August. Yeah. 26. Wow. So nearly two months earlier. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So in the last three years, uh, we include 2020 already. Yeah. <laughs> but so in the last three years, um, it was in Germany more or less the same. Everything where it was hot and everywhere there were, it was dry. But um, and so there is not that big difference. But for example, 15, um, which was for us a very uh, late and cooler vintage. For example, in the more south, it was hot and early. Yeah. So um, it really depends on on the vintage itself. Maybe we can talk a little bit about fermentation techniques that you use. Everything is destemmed yes. fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Completely destemmed. And for the basic Pinot, um, we. Um, uh, start fermentation directly, so we don't want to have long, very long skin and uh, seed contact because we want to keep fruitiness in the wine, and we do not want to have too much tannin inside because it is a wine that normally uh, you can drink, drink directly. Yeah, so it's a wine that when it is bottled after a year, then uh, another half a year later, you can d- directly start um, drinking it. So um, skin contact is quite short, so um, about ten to fourteen days. And then we press the wine, and then we do for we put it into um, yeah big wooden casks, and also used barriques, so no new oak at all. And then we do for a long time nothing, yeah. <laughs> for nearly a year <laughs> till we bottle it. Yeah, yeah. I think the wine the wine is really pretty and very delicate. There there is that slight saltiness that you were talking about. And I think the finish is very defined by its acidity. You know, it's a red wine that you could have with lighter food. It you know, you could have it with maybe like a fish dish in addition to, you know, pork or chicken. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it could work really well with like a lean um 
you know, steak like a fillet. Um, I, I think it's very, very delicious. I mean, what are kind of the typical pairings you like to have with spade burgunder? I think with that type, um, I always recommend to to have just if you have a pasta with uh, just a tomato, simple tomato sauce. Yeah. That I think that fits quite well because you have that fruitiness, um, like like the tomatoes um, have as well. And um, at the moment, so you know, we have our <laughs> summer here with. Uh, <laughs> But yep. at the moment, I really recommend it for barbecues to, yeah, to like chill it down. Um, grilled fish. Yeah. yeah. So just cool. Drink it really cool. Or, you, or yeah. you, when you go to wintertime, you can make like a risotto with beetroot or uh, like a fish that you um, that fry a little bit. So it would be very nice. I want to know what kind of barbecue you guys yeah. are making. Though. That sounds really good. Yeah. We have a lot of barbecue in Texas, but I want to hear what's German barbecue. German barbecue. I think it's you. We don't have that typical German barbecue. So I know from from yeah. South Africa, they they are the the Bry, uh World uh, Championships grilling everything and having a barbecue. Yeah. But I think in Germany, it's most of most of the people just doing uh, some um, pieces of meat or sausages and yeah. grilled fish or something like yeah. that. But in the last yeah. years, I think like everywhere it became a bit more modern and people yeah. are trying to, my husband yeah. is uh, doing pizzas <laughs> yeah. and trying to, 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 yeah, to have the best pizza oh, wow. uh, in, in the grill. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, at the moment it's quite modern to have a good all hamburgers on the yeah, grill. Something like it's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's fancy. Yeah, fancy. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Germany, uh, it was back in 2018, oh, cool. I was there to run the Berlin Marathon. And in Berlin, Everyone wanted to have kebabs like all over the place, like every street yeah. corner, especially in like the Turkish district, kebabs everywhere and lamb. And I could see that also working very well with lamb, like a spiced, yeah. you know, lamb that has maybe like onions and peppers in it. I could yeah, see that exactly. acidity just flowing so well with everything. So. We're having my husband's birthday party at the weekend and he's doing kebab right yeah. on the grill. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, you can kebab. Kebab. Birthday kebab. That sounds great. Yeah, that'll be good. So, so I just poured a little bit of the GG, and instantly, mm -hmm. like the first thing that stands out to me is the difference in color. Much, much like a deeper ruby kind of fading out to a garnet rim. You know, this is 2013, so maybe, you know, it's also got a little bit of age on it, but but more concentration. And is that is that due to, you know, the ripeness of the grapes? I know you said these grapes were picked in October, but then also I imagine the fermentation time might be a little bit different. Yeah? Exactly. Just for the for the um, um, picking um, date, it was the uh, end of October, but uh, 13 was that uh, we had snow till April. Wow. So really, really long winter. Um, everything started quite late and um, yeah, we had a little rain coming down um, in um, in summertime, so uh, yeah, it was a quite cool year. That's uh, the the main reason why the the um, picking was so. <laughs> and um, then the the thing that is also very obvious the the yield is much lower. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, really just a few. It's old wines in Kräuterberg. It's Kräuterberg. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's old wines in Kräuterberg with very low yield, just a few grapes per plant. And um, uh, therefore, the concentration in the grapes is higher compared to the basic Pinot, where we want this more of lightness and um, uh, where the wines are a bit younger. And um, in addition, the, um, we, we, for, for the GG, we start with, it's also without clusters, everything destemmed. And because it was a year where the clusters were not ripe, they were 
yeah, they... still greenish, and we want did not we wanted to avoid that any green uh, phenolic compound. Is there is when do you incorporate um, stems, if at all? Do you is that something that occurs maybe? every once in a while or is it a rarity that it, it was a rarity uh 10 years ago but we start more and more working with that because we see that the stems yeah get ripe yeah. in some years and we just use it when they are really ripe when they mm -hmm. are green then we, we do not use it. it yeah we, we did some tries but then we had this uh, paprika style um which was very vegetative and not mm -hmm. like we understand a pinot. And so just use them when, when there is a, and, and we never use mm -hmm. 100% clusters. So only like what, 10, 20, sometimes 30% clusters. But in uh, 13, we really avoid using them. So everything was destemmed. And then we had uh, like five days cold maceration before the fermentation started. Um, and the skin contact is much longer. Um, it's up to 21, 22 days. Um, because after 14 days, you only start to get the tan tannin compounds out of the seeds. Yeah, so it's some time and needs some time to to mm -hmm. um, extract that. And um, so, yeah, that's um, the difference in the um, yeah vinification of those two wines. And you said this one, no new oak, no. correct? Uh, some used barrique. For the GGs, uh, is that a consideration, the, uh, yeah, the uh, GGs, type of wood that you're um, using? 70% uh, new oak, 100% barrique, and just French oak, and producers, mm -hmm. several producers from France as well. So you talked about these vines being very old and low-yielding. How old are these vines in Kroteberg? Kroteberg, um, we have uh, two different pieces. The one was planted in the beginning of the 70s. Nobody knows exactly when. So mm -hmm. something in between um, 72 and 74. Um, and the other was um, planted in 2000. I'm sure it's challenging, right? Because older vines, you know, can produce grapes of great concentration. Yeah. But it, you talked earlier about how clonal selection has allowed you to maybe plant Pinot Noir vines that are better suited for the soil and better suited for production. And so it's this challenging thing. Do you work with older vines or do you take them out and put in something that you think is a better fit? Is that ever a challenge for you both in terms of vineyard management? Uh, yes, it is. It is definitely, um, especially as we have a lot of steep slopes here. And um, in the last years, there was some development of uh, uh, mechanization possibilities. Yeah. yeah. So there is a little bit of of space that we that there is some work we can do, not only by hand, but using some machines. But um, the wines that were planted in the past often are too, the rows are too, uh, too small, too, small, so, yeah. too narrow. Yeah. So this is um, also a very important thing that you have to think of. To think when, of, yeah. yeah. Especially when it's perhaps not, not your GG, but only your basic. Um, if it's uh, because in the steep slopes, you have minimum five times work and costs compared to a flat vineyard. Yeah. So um, you really have to think about if you if you if you do it like that, taking out a nice and old vineyard, yeah, and putting a yeah. one in. So it's a really a difficult um, decision sometimes. Yeah, and I think we are we, go, we are growing quite um, slowly. So um, it's not that we go out and say, okay, today we want to have two more hectare. Um, it's not possible. 
this region. Yeah. Um, so, you know, luckily, yeah, there are a lot of yeah young young winemakers and we have that two big cooperatives here in the region. So, um, yeah, it's not, not that easy to get a good piece of, of vineyard. And so, um, yeah, as we grow quite slowly, um, when we get a new piece, I think we, we just check yeah. Um, a little bit yeah. what uh, um, yeah what is happening there and we wait maybe one or two years just having a look at the grapes so and then I think the decision is just if it doesn't fit or yeah, um, yeah if, if we have to make a new planting then we do yeah and often it did not fit in yeah. the past <laughs> yeah. because we yeah a chance to get a new vineyard and it was from somebody who whose aim was to have high quantity and not high quality yeah. so even if it is like 40 years old, but if the quality is crap, you really have to do it new. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> As you can tell, Durta and Micah are very easy to talk to, and they also happen to make great wine. So uh, keep an eye out for the reds and rosés of Meyer Neckel, they are imported by the German wine collection. In the second half, we'll chat with winemaker and export manager Andreas Jutvel, who helped the 300-year-old estate of Dr. Deinhardt rebrand to Von Vinning in 2007. We'll discuss how Von Vinning exemplifies the winemaking revolution going on in the faults through viticultural precision and cellar work. Be sure to follow at German Wine USA and at By the Glass Podcast to stay in the loop on future episodes and other collaborations. We'll see you soon.